Welcome to another Bite Side. I'm Seamus Byrne. This is a show about technology games, all things digital culture, and the way that it's impacting on our everyday lives. Joining me, as always, Nick Healy from Dubbo. How are you? I'm good. Nick Healy from Dubbo. I don't think I've ever been introduced that way. I quite like that. Yeah, Nick Healy from Dubbo. I know. When, I, when, I, when it came out, I was like, I mean, I guess, you know, you're from Dubbo now. I am, yeah. I'm Nicky de Dubbo. And you own property in Dubbo, so, you know, you're official. Yeah, the Dubbo, the the Dubbo code, the full works, we're all just here. Um, I've got a really quick question for you. Did you pre-order one of the new consoles that we were talking about last week? I did. You did? Did you Did you manage to get through? I got an Xbox. I did. Wow. I wasn't even sure I was going to do it until about half an hour before, but then I I feel like... You know, as much I didn't use any special connections or anything like that. The one thing that I did use was my power of knowing how to use the internet, I guess, because <laughs> I opened multiple browser windows. I had multiple stores ready to go. And then I just started trying to get things into a shopping cart as efficiently as I could. And I was logged in on every platform. Uh, and then, yeah, I, I think I got to the end of the process on EB, the fastest, but then those final phases of the shopping cart started to fail um, and it was quite clear that their system was struggling. And in the meantime, the Microsoft store was late actually switching on the pre-orders, which was really weird, but at about three minutes past... And of course, that, I mean, that three minutes is everything. Like mm-hmm. that's, you know, some people might be going <laughs> three minutes, no big deal. When you're sitting there refreshing things madly, that is everything. Um, yeah, but then Microsoft Store, I just zoomed straight through the whole process, no problems at all. And eventually, um, I, and I did keep trying to go through to the very end of the EB process, but their website just, it just hung. There was no way I was getting through. Um, so I did get an order through the Microsoft Store. 14 minutes is one of the, the numbers I've seen for how quickly pre-orders sold out in Australia. So three minutes matters a lot when we're talking about 14 minutes of sale time. Yeah. And look, it was it was such a mess. And it's funny that we had two messes since we last spoke because... Um, PlayStation, they took the approach where they had that announcement event the morning after our last show. Um, and then it was like within an hour or so with no warning that pre-orders just started blinking to life on various <laughs> web pages and services. Um, and people just kind of had to scramble with zero notice. And so everyone was upset because there was no plan and there was no notice. And it, and if you had no notice, then, you know, you might have just been busy and then suddenly you discovered that you'd missed out. And then Xbox was like, hey, we got you covered, fam. We're going to send you a <laughs> 8 a.m. Wednesday morning or no, Tuesday morning. Let's do this. And then every <laughs> service broke. <laughs> PlayStation 5, it's just a soft launch. What are you worried about? I'll get another number for you here. 747%. That is the increase in terms of sales 
that Amazon US saw for the Xbox One X when the Xbox Series X went on sale. And it has raised a few questions about how many people have just found themselves buying a One X when what they were actually hoping to do was buy a Series X. And you and I have chatted about how, and, and indeed I have confused the names myself, about how similar those naming conventions are. And there's been a lot of chatter about whether they are going to cause problems. Yep. And absolutely. Like, there is no way... That, because there was no discounting nope. or anything that might explain that. Nothing that at all. That was straight up confusion. And it is still, like, number 11 on their movers and shakers chart in the US. Um it does seem like there's less confusion on the Australian Amazon store. Yeah, that's good news. <laughs> a little bit. Go yeah. Australia. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's that's like, you know, there has to be some kind of a system there that will help refund these people. If <laughs> or you know, maybe they could proactively say, Are you sure this is what you want to do? I don't know. Oh. I don't know what's gonna happen. Look, I chose not to go through the pre order process. Um I I'm very interested in both of these consoles. I definitely will own them. There was nothing there that made me say, I need to have this at launch to play these games. And I found that really interesting. Um, there was just nothing that absolutely got my pulse racing when it came to exclusives or launch titles. And that may change. But there was nothing that had me thinking, oh, I've got to plonk that money down immediately. And I am still thinking that, especially when it comes to the Xbox, I will probably end up doing that subscription model via my telecommunications provider. Yeah. Look, that is such, it is such a good deal. And I'd really been thinking maybe that's the way I'd go. But I've, one of the things for me is I've actually got like another year and a half worth of Game Pass Ultimate that I've already paid for. And I think when you started talking about it last time about how will, or maybe it was someone else that it was like talking about how will that work if I've already got existing subscription? Yeah. Yep. And it did get me thinking. (laughs) And so I thought, you know what? Um, you know, I can, this is a work thing. I'm lucky to have that capacity. So I will just order the first one outright. I totally feel like getting that second one was, look, even I'm about to call it the one, a Series <laughs> S, that that could be a really nice bargain option to kind of get that sort of set up at a later date. Um, but I know, you know, see, we've recently become like a two TV household. And so, you know, I kind of had that, gra- you know, that thought in my head that actually it would be good to have, like, I have an original Xbox that the disc doesn't work on anymore. So it's it's actually, it's a digital edition, Nick. I think oh, it's uh, very fancy. It, it got upgraded by having its disc drive fail. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, so we've got a 1S and it made me think, well, you know, I'll get the Series X. I'll be able to kind of play the latest and greatest stuff. And at least again, work context thinking it'll be handy to be able to do all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I definitely wasn't sure if I'd pull the trigger at all until I finally did. Well, 
While we're talking about purchases, let's talk about Microsoft and Bethesda. $7.5 billion. They didn't purchase Bethesda. They purchased the parent company, ZeniMax Media. It came out of nowhere. You could see how absolutely shocked people were when this news came out. And a lot of people have been saying, what does this mean for Xbox strategy? And when I look at it, it just has to be all about Game Pass. If you can take those titles that people love out of Bethesda, and what are we talking about here? Is Doom, Fallout, uh, uh, Wolfenstein, Dishonored, Elder Scrolls. Um, I mean, I suppose there's, what else did they have? The Evil Within, if people enjoyed that. If they're suddenly exclusives, boy, that makes Game Pass look great. Yeah. I hadn't even realised, but... Um... Uh, oh no! It was. It's actually another one of the Microsoft Game Studios, Wasteland Three, yeah, in Exile. Microsoft now owns them as well. Um, there's so much stuff attached to this. Yeah, I really think, um, like a lot of people were worrying about, you know, exclusives and will they kind of lock things out from PlayStation? And again, I think we talked about this a bit before, but. That's just not Microsoft's focus anymore. It is totally about Game Pass and saying you can go over there if you want to buy everything. Ooh, buying things. If you want to stick to that old way of doing it, sure. <laughs> but why not come over here and pay us a low monthly fee and get everything for free the day it comes out? Now, the other thing was that, from my memory, Bethesda actually had announced a PlayStation 5 and a PC exclusive, Deathloop. That was a new game coming out of Arcane that they yeah. own. And that will be still honoured. This deal does not stop that from being a PlayStation 5 and PC exclusive. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think totally fair on Microsoft's part ah. to just, you know, I think to kind of respect existing arrangements, but I think in some ways that in itself makes me feel like, you know, if you are just a fan of playing the best games, wherever you want to play them, then these are steps in that positive direction that kind of say, yep, a game like Deathloop looks awesome. At launch, it's going to be PlayStation exclusive the next time that company makes a cool new game, that'll come out everywhere at the same time. And it'll also happen to be free on on Xbox Game Pass, or you can buy it wherever else you might be deciding to play games. I think that is kind of a, a positive thing that they're not somehow going, well, well, we have to kind of rest away that thing that was already a contract that was entered into. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. To, to take that thinking, put it to the side, and, yeah, move on from there. That's an interesting one. Look, I'm trying to be nice about it all. <laughs> I'm, yeah, because I, I, I'm psyched to play Deathloop, and I'm not going to have a PlayStation 5 at launch. Um, I don't think it's coming out at launch. Um, yeah, I don't but, think it's a yeah, launch look, exclusive. I could be wrong on that, but I don't think it is. Yeah, um, and that's it, just whenever it kind of lands. I mean, one of the other things that hits me, though, is there's a lot of games we've been seeing announced for launch that keep um, being mentioned as, what do you call it, um, oh, console exclusive. 
and that's a number of the games that are coming out for PlayStation that are also coming out on PC Windows <laughs> pretty much at the same time. <laughs> now, again, if there's anything like that in you know, in the list of companies that Microsoft now owns, I haven't double-checked, be like, that's the kind of thing where they can go, well, it's on Xbox Game Pass now on PC because, again, Xbox Game Pass is cross-platform. So for them, they could still be going, well, good for you, PlayStation. You can come and play this straight away over here on Windows if you want anyway. (laughs) Hey, while we are talking about what's happening with Xbox and Game Pass, I know that one of your new writers, Hope Corrigan, actually took a bit of a look at the game streaming app for Android from Xbox. Yeah, um, yeah, that was great. We were just kind of talking about it and and she, (laughs) right, it's that funny thing where, and yeah, just working with a new team of writers where, um, yeah, it had popped up in the news and she was like, oh yeah, I've been fiddling around with that. And it's like, great, you can write it. (laughs) Give us your hands on if you've already been playing with it. But yeah, she has a new Note 20 as well. So she's been able to, you know, on her very shiny new phone, be able to give it a good... Um, test drive and she said it feels great and of course this is that interesting thing where um in the complaints that apple had about the whole thing one of uh, they were of course their focus is on the cloud streaming version Mm -hmm. they have actually said that they would be okay with a version that lets you stream from a local device rather than something that is streaming over the cloud yeah so um this is just the, you know, from your local Xbox to your phone. Um, but, yeah, her experience of it was really good. And she actually said that her lo- local Wi-Fi, it kind of said it might not be great. So it d- runs those checks, lets you know what your expectation should be. Um, but even with a bit of a warning, she said it was actually still really good. Yeah, look, I'm keen to give it a go. And I think, you know, again and again and again, we are just seeing some amazing work coming out of what Microsoft is trying to do with their gaming platform. Moving on a little bit, because today the big talk has not been Xbox. Surprise, surprise. It's actually been all about the NBN. Uh, Another big investment coming in, $3.5 billion, an upgrade already. Work going to be starting soon. The idea is it should be finished by 2023. Yeah, and look, <laughs> man. That big sigh just said a little bit of everything, didn't it? <laughs> We've been at this thing for 10 years. <laughs> I I literally, the first time around when Biteside was a thing and we were discussing things in pubs. Oh, Lordy. Um, I remember an episode when it was when Stephen Conroy had announced the concept for the NBN. Uh, he'd announced that it was all about um, uh, you know, uh, at the time it was kind of like 12 megabit, I think. And it was, oh, that's right. It was right around the time that Sol Trujillo and that Telstra basically pissed off the government and made them go, oh, if you're not going to give us a genuine tender to do this, then screw it. We're going to set up a new company <laughs> and we're going to do it ourselves. Um, and then, of course, the stupid pol- political fight started. And... Everything about today's announcements just feels like the effort to try to kind of spin that, no, no, this is totally what we always planned and can you all shut up and stop thinking about everything we said was wrong all those other times? Like they're talking about 
It's going to create jobs. I mean, literally, that's what the original concept did, but they hated it for doing that, apparently. It was a waste of money. Even though it was also not government, like it was money that was a loan. It was kind of not just spending taxpayer money. And now this time again, they're going, but it's okay because it's not actual money. And you're like, that's the same as last, like everything about this is like, they've literally even said things like, uh, like Fletcher today was saying, um, well, you know, I mean, now there's a demand for faster speeds. And so now we will upgrade. It's like instead of preparing for a future where this demand was always going to be expected, we'd rather always keep people waiting for another. I'm totally going to swear <laughs> <laughs> for another flipping upgrade. Um, I mean, just like it's like I I take no joy in this because it's like they have wasted everybody's time. They have wasted the opportunity of the internet being so much more than it needed to be so that people could, like the people who wanted to be on the bleeding edge could and the people who are now ready to upgrade, all it would take is a phone call instead of another three years. James Byrne, are you sure you weren't the editor of ABC's Tekken Games section for a while there? Sorry. <laughs> All right. Look, we should talk about some of the numbers. $3.5 billion, as we said. The idea is it'll get 6 million homes access to internet speeds that they are saying up to one gigabit per second, which, of course, Australia has not been seeing. It's going to be expanding fibre to the node, fibre to the curd, and the HFC network. And there was a very interesting talk about the idea of expanding fibre to the node by building local fibre networks. The idea is they're going to run along street fronts, and then you can demand that your home be connected. That's actually what Paul uh, Fletcher was saying, communications minister, roll the fibre down the street, the fibre leads to leading into the home will only be built if a customer wants that. And that makes me curious about what that's going to cost. I totally agree. Like, here we are. And, like, it's just a, it's a mess. It's There's nothing clear about this. And, again, in that original concept, the whole idea was there is there would be no distinction between whether it's being built for a business or being built for a resident because, in the end, everybody will gain from getting great access to broadband. And this new one is kind of setting up these kinds of business or residential distinctions. Um, and it's like, you know, this morning when I first heard um, part of it being discussed, my first thing was going, oh, I, well, you know, look, I I don't want to have to harp on about the past. Let's just look at the future. But the more kind of words they've said today, the more it sounds like it might not be as simple as just making that phone call to say, hi, I want the faster NBN now, thanks. Let me know when you're going to come and upgrade me. Um, it sounds like that they're trying to... Yeah, This is the government that's meant to hate red tape, supposedly, <laughs> but they want to set up all these careful distinctions and in the end, everything about this decision is because they probably hit that point where they realize, well, our plan is to sell the NBN at some point, which was always the original plan too. But now they realize if you're going to sell it, it has to be worth something to somebody who is ever going to buy the bloody thing. 
In Dubbo, we've got a really interesting situation because we had half of the NBN built when the governments changed over and when the Mm -hmm. new NBN plan came in. And there is a very distinct dividing line, I think we've talked about it before, of people who have fibre to the premises and people who have fibre to the node. Now, we're on fibre to the node where I am. One of the places I looked at when we were still thinking of buying here before we'd bought was fibre to the premises. And it was amazing how much that factored in to what we thought of a house. So I am kind of curious to see if in the area of Dubbo, we're going to see that changeover. We're going to see one of those upgrades sooner than later, given about where we are. In fact, the whole upgrade cycle, I think, is going to be very intriguing as we see the nature of work changing in 2020. Where are these high speeds actually going to be needed? In the metro areas where we've always associated it or even more into regional and remote parts of Australia, given the fact that we seem to be fleeing the cities at the moment? Yeah, like bits that I've heard today do sound positive on that idea mm. that, that they're seeing that the focus of this being into kind of regional centres is going to be a really positive thing. So, you know, in some of that regard, look, and we both live in regional areas now, so, but I don't think it's selfish. I think it absolutely <laughs> comes from that understanding of how much benefit can come to these areas when businesses stop having to leave or likewise when next generation graduates, you know, high school graduates through to someone who might go away to uni, but that idea that they could come back to the area that they came from and have a great job wherever that job might be because they're able to be connected in a really, really reliable way. So, you know, in that kind of positive sense, I hope that things like they're in Dubbo that they – you know, try to prioritise some of those areas where there there was an unintended but an absolutely real haves and haves not have nots type situation where half the town is and half the town isn't. You know, I remember when we were both at, at CNET, it was right around the time when the whole thing changed and Claire did the great story about Mudgee. Oh, amazing how, story. Absolutely amazing story. You know, story. the... The trucks literally left town, you know, because of the change. Um, and speaking to business owners who, and like, and they'd been getting ready to set up an industrial park, like a technology park to encourage people to kind of make that tree change and move out there. I think there's so much potential in that that I hope that they make sure and focus this stuff into getting that original intent of giving the regions this huge lifeline um, and making that happen really quick. Look, we will have to wait and see on that one, but I think in the next few days we'll hear a bit more and then we'll track it down. I am actually speaking to the Minister for Regional Communications, uh, Mark Colton, on my breakfast show tomorrow. So I'm going to be asking Great. him what's happening with that. Have you got a tip for me, Seamus Byrne? I do, but I also just want to quickly say I just saw Josh Taylor, you know, one of the great tech reporters mm. in this country, but he's a general news reporter for The Guardian these days. He just tweeted, MBN is now putting out modelling on the productivity gains from using more fibre. I just can't with today. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's it. They're literally now selling the productivity gains. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I do have a tip. Um, One of my all-time beloved uh, board games from when I was a teenager, Mm -hmm. Hero Quest. Oh, Oh, wow. Um, I will also put a link in the show notes to the best 
YouTube video, one of the best YouTube videos ever, which is a guy, I feel like he might be a, a weird kind of British Australian dude. Um, anyway, he does a great video about why Hero Quest is the best game ever. Um, but yeah, Hero Quest is coming back. So I, last week when I kind of first, a bit of a countdown started, um, on the Hasbro website because they own the rights to the game. Um, they, yeah, countdown began. I got excited. Then I started reading and heard that someone had registered Hero Quest Legacies as a name for a game. And I'm like, wait a minute, Hero Quest as a legacy board game, this could be amazing. For those who don't know, a legacy board game is one where you play it over about 10 games, but each time you play, the board itself will get changed because of the things that have happened in the previous games. Really, really cool kind of fun way to do this stuff. But Hero Quest, uh, it launched overnight uh, and it's essentially being done as a crowdfunding style thing. I had never realized Hasbro has their own kind of internal, um, I guess, pre-order Kickstarter type thing called Hasbro Pulse. Huh. But uh, yeah, so they have launched Hero Quest on Hasbro Pulse. And the cool thing is that while it, it is like a really faithful version compared to the original um everything's kind of just been polished a little bit so like the figures um a bit more you know like okay we've made them a bit more modern in the style of like cooler warhammer figures of the modern era rather than you know 80s versions of like really basic molds there's they're not overdone they're still very clearly the kind of things that they were they're just really nicely finished and likewise it originally came with all this like cardboard furniture that you had to sort of assemble yourself and now it's all like really nice 3d yeah miniature figurine type stuff so um, really nicely done. I'll put a link in there because it's great. I've, obviously, it's going to be up for a few weeks, I think, where they will. Um, you know, I think it's, let's see, it's at 750 grand of a million dollar target with 45 days to go. So it's going to be fine. I think it'll um, be very fine. <laughs> yeah. But what one cool thing is ordering it through the, uh, like through the, this pre-order system basically means you'll also get like a new character class that never existed the first time and a few little kind of fun extras that mean it clearly is showing they're really expanding the concept while staying faithful to where it started. And I gave my copy away many moons ago, so I'm totally buying this because I've always regretted uh, giving it away. I'm excited by this. I, I don't think I had quite your uh, childhood memory of Hero Quest, but I've always been fascinated by it. And I think um, I think I might throw a little bit at that $1 million target. How about that? Groovy. Do it. I got it. No. What is your tip? It's a, it, oh, we're calling it a tip because I didn't know what else to call it. Um, <laughs> would you like to buy a gently used streaming service? Because Quibi is maybe possibly selling already. Um, I think they've burnt through nearly their $1.8 billion capital. They are at the moment exploring several strategic options. What a quote. I just love that. So there's a bit of a what are we going to do next? Definitely they have not had the launch they hoped they were going to have. Um, they are just hoping, I think, to get a little bit of extra money. Um, but 
they might have to sell outright. And what is that going to mean? They've already had so many changes. You know, they've already stopped you from only watching on your phone. You can actually watch it on your TV now if you want to stream it. Oh, can you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they've picked up some Emmys. They've let people screenshot. I believe they ran a weird drive-in at some point, some other weird things like that. I don't know if they know what they're doing. I still have a soft spot for them, even though I've never really watched a show on it. I just appreciate that they were doing something new. So if anyone, maybe the Australian government that has $3.5 billion for an NBN package, maybe they'd want to buy Quibi. Maybe it could be Quibi to yeah, the nose. Maybe it'll... Quibi to the home. That's right. <laughs> Quibi to the home. <laughs> Quibi to the home. It's all going to happen. Anyway, we will, as always, keep in a very close eye on the latest of Quibi news as it comes to hand. And, of course, here in Australia, we were the test market where they launched uh, subscription-free Quibi, where you can get it just advertising-supported. So you, if you've never tried it, you can try it for free still. <laughs> there was the three-month free trial the first time. Um, the one great piece of content that it does have is the homemade Princess Bride. That is great. And so over a series of short videos, they basically do a full reading and reenactment, um, like really botched, you know, COVID <laughs> lockdown version of Princess Bride acted by people who were both originally in it and then also just other people playing the various roles here and there throughout. Um, so, you know, if you've always wondered what Paul Rudd would have looked like <laughs> as uh, Wesley, then you can... Find that in one of the various segments. Um, that is probably the one thing where I'm like, man, if this was there at launch, that might have done wonders for this whole service. Look, it might have, but we'll never know. Um, and look, you know, just again, just to be really clear, they picked up a couple of Emmys. They're not doing terribly. They just are kind yeah. of doing terribly. <laughs> maybe they will, maybe TikTok will buy it and it will become the premium, uh, Vertical only, they'll give up on that whole sideways thing yep. and they'll go, yep, everything's cut for vertical anyway. Vertical only, uh, this is now the premium part of TikTok. Quibi brought to you by TikTok, brought to you by Oracle. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I think we better leave that there because this is just getting insane. Seamus, where can people yes. find you? Uh, at Seamus, of course, on Twitter. And, uh, of course, go and check out all the things that are happening on Biteside.com because there's heaps of stuff there now. Um, Nick, where can people find you? If you want to hear what I actually do for a day job, grab the ABC Listen app and uh, go to ABC Western Plains and you can hear me from 6.35 to 10 a.m. Monday to Friday. Otherwise, just track me down doing really, really random rubbish on Twitter. It is at dr underscore NIC. Good job. And of course, if you want to shout out to us at the bite side on Twitter, uh, or email us, ask at biteside.com. Tell us how you're doing, what you're thinking, whether you're buying these consoles or just sticking with the cool old stuff for, for years to come, because that is perfectly legitimate too. And we'll catch you again soon. <laughs>